we're in a state, we're in a, a country of an emergency. We're in a, a crisis, and uh, we're in a moral decline. To be quite frank with you, mm-hmm. I think the good thing that's that's actually happening, and this has to happen in history, is that because of the climate, um, people are stepping up to the plate and getting involved and throwing their hat in the ring. We've seen a record number of women from diverse backgrounds who have invaded Congress mm-hmm. um, on the House side. And so hopefully that momentum will keep going. So that's the good thing that is coming out. Yeah. Is you have some new leadership that's coming. And here's the other part. The leadership is challenging the status quo. Because mm-hmm. I do recognize an elected official, sometimes we can get stuck into one frame of mind of thinking. This week's guest is Kenyatta Johnson. Following the murder of his cousin in 1998, he formed Peace Not Guns to end and prevent gun violence through education and programs created to give children an alternative to the streets. His activism led to a successful run for the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and in 2012 he became the youngest elected council member of Philadelphia's city council. On this episode, we discuss how his grandmother and mother's influence, guidance and faith kept him from fully crossing the line into street crime. How a serendipitous gun charge set him on a course of education and advancement, culminating in a degree in criminal justice and a master's in government administration and public finance from UPenn. We also discuss the educational imperative to address economic inequality, social injustice and his perspective on the upcoming 2020 campaign. I hope you enjoy the passion and political perspectives of Councilman Kenyatta Johnson. Just a note, I was also joined by podcaster Corey Cambridge at this interview and he asked a question at around 20 minutes, so you will hear the sound level shift. Today on the Impossible Network, I'm joined by Councilman Kenyatta Johnson from Philadelphia. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Councilman, we always like to start the the show talking about people's upbringing. And I know you grew up in Philly in the 70s and the 80s in Point Breeze. How did your parents, your teachers, your peers influence you on your journey? Well, just as a young man um, growing up in Point Breeze, South Philadelphia, I was um, primarily raised by uh, mother, stepfather, and my grandmother played a critical role in raising me as a young man. And so my grandmother actually instilled in me the spiritual component. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that from her. Um, my mom um, instilled in me the importance of receiving um, a quality education. And also my stepfather, my mother's husband, just played a major role and um, helped me weave through um, some of the obstacles that I faced as a young man um, growing up. I'm in Point Breeze, South Philadelphia. And so that's the foundation that have helped me become who I am today, mm. separate from me being first African-American to represent this district that I represent or me serving in my former capacity as a state representative. They have instilled in me the foundation to make education a priority, but also making sure service to others mm. as a guidepost in my life. Similarity to yourself, I was I was brought up a little bit before you in the east coast of Scotland with a very religious mother. It influenced my upbringing and and also sister. I'm interested in terms of how, because there are there are pressures everyone feels growing up in in any sort of environment when you're brought up with a, a, a Christian sort of ethos and a Christian a Christian habit of going to church, um, sort of living that life. Did you encounter pushback or uh, issues with? peers, people at school, by 
been seen to be a Christian, or is it different no, here I, in the U.S. than it is in well, Scotland? I mean, for me, I'm primary, I was one of the guys who always been a leader in my neighborhood, and so we were going to like Bible camp uh, when I was a kid, and I was able to recruit my friends who who were hanging with me to also go and attend. It used to be a program called Teen Haven. So we had a summer camp with Teen Haven, but also Teen Haven had different Bible study programs during the weekend. Um, for me, I would have other guys who, who would hang with me to go out and to attend. And so that was another issue on with myself. What I do think is my faith, my upbringing also helped me not cross the line mm-hmm. as a young man who also, you know, I made some poor choices as a young man in terms of being out in the streets, getting my first gun charge at the age of 16, kind of doing what I thought I wanted to do separate from how how I grew up in my household. Yeah, But that sense of faith kind of kept me from crossing that line. And I do believe the prayers of my grandmother is the reason why I'm in this position that I am right now. And not just so much being an elected official, but to be quite frank with you, that I'm not dead and in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know the first interview I did for the Impossible Network was with Tyreek Glasgow, and he talked a lot about the influence and in terms of keeping him safe, giving him a safe environment on the streets, which were quite dangerous. And obviously he did cross the line, but I think it was his faith that was instilled in him by his grandmother as well that that helped bring him back into yeah. a, a path of, of creating opportunity for kids. I'd like to ask you, I mean, we could, I'd love to talk more about it, but I know we're under pressure for time. So I, I just want to ask about your, what chance encounters or serendipity or happy accidents occurred um, that have defined or changed the direction of your journey? Well, when I first, around the age of 16, I got a gun charge as a juvenile, and I was put on probation. And while I was on probation, I began thinking, if I go away to college and become a probation officer, then maybe I can help other young men who were on pro- juvenile probation, that they can also go to college and make some of their lives, and that because they received a gun charge, it wasn't the end of life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was my motivation um, to go to college, but also at the same time, people in my neighborhood that I grew up with was also dying as a result of gun violence in the streets of South Philadelphia. And so that also was an encouraging and motivating factor for me to go away to college. Separate from getting an education, it was also a way to escape mm-hmm. my environment. And then once I went away to school, um, became a president under my student body, um, and, and, and really started to look at how can I use public policy as a way to affect change in my neighborhood in which I grew up in. And so um, that was the really like light bulb mm-hmm. uh, moment for myself, and it really set me on the path to do the work that I'm doing right now. What were the key factors that stopped you from uh, falling back into sort of reoffending. I mean, you said it was a wake-up call. There was a moment. So many people that find themselves in that situ- situation, there's the temptation is to get drawn even deeper into that sort of negative spiral. Well, it was a process because even separate from going away to college, um, becoming a president of my student body, becoming a president of all the state school um, colleges in Pennsylvania, I still came home and was stuck when I was in the University of Pennsylvania with one foot in the street mm-hmm. and one foot at Penn getting my graduate degree. So it took a little bit of time. I met a gentleman by the name of Hardy Williams. He was a former state senator, former state representative, 
um, the first legitimate African-American in the city of Philadelphia to run um, for mayor. Mm -hmm. He took me under his wing, and that really began to help me get a clear understanding that um, here's a young man who has a degree from University of Pennsylvania, master's degree, um, young man who graduated from Mansfield University with degrees in criminal justice, with dual minors in philosophy and sociology, but he can't go home and stand on the corner mm -hmm. and get involved in things that are um, not productive to his community or society. And so he gave me a chance to volunteer with him um, and really start helping me learn the art of community organizing, learning the art of politics. And then from that point forward, I had the support system that I needed. Mm -hmm. Because remember, I'm a first, I'm a first generation college graduate, and so there was no roadmap for me. There was no blueprint for me. It was just really my initiative um, to get to seek an education. Now I had support from my family, right? But that's different from actually having a blueprint uh -huh. and a roadmap. Two totally different things. But it was Hardy Williams. But he was your mentor. Yes, that was my mentor. Yes. So he took me under his wing and said, here's how you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish as it relates to you becoming a public servant. I've used this quote um, once before in, in an interview, and it was, it's not the circumstances that define you, it's your response. You obviously responded to your circumstances. You found yourself in with that charge by taking a very positive path through education. I'm interested as to why you selected politics and public life, where you clearly with your abilities could easily have pursued a career in business and gone down a different route to change and create opportunity. Why did you pick politics and public well, life? When I was away in college, I learned the power of the Constitution and the power of public policy. And you're talking about a person who had no interest in politics prior to me going to college. But I had a political science class, poli-sci 101, and I really bought into the concept of using the Constitution and legislation as a way to affect change mm -hmm. in my community. And so um, I didn't look back. Um, after I took the poli-sci class and, and, and used this also as a motivating force to return back to my community and use my degree to help other people change the condition in which we were living in, but also make sure that I could be a, a living example of that if I could change, they can also change mm -hmm. when it comes to accomplishing their dreams and their goals and their aspirations in spite of their current environment. Hmm. Testament to the Constitution and the, the residual power of the American dream, I suppose. Yes, I, w I would think so. I've recently interviewed, uh, I said it before the interview, uh, some really amazing people working in social entrepreneurship, uh, social justice, trying to address systemic change and improve the world and opportunities for people, youth particularly, in different parts of the world. And they're doing some amazing things. What's your, what's your perspective and on the role of local government in relation to these types of organisations that have got clear visions for change? Well, you know, I'm one of the guys who partner with organizations that specifically advocate for those most in need. Mm -hmm. And so for me, if they have a clear mission and that mission is sincere, and mission has to be sincere because I come across um, countless organizations that talk about um, how they want to affect change. But I'm, I'm, I'm also one of the guys that I need to see. I need yeah. to see the proof that you're not just here to say I need a grant or some type of funding, but we don't see the results in the, act, in the, in the actual work that you're mm -hmm. doing. Um, but I also recognize as well that 
um, elected officials on a local level, like we're the gatekeepers. Yeah. We're the gatekeepers for the people, and that's how I take my position. Yeah, well, I, I've also come across and read about a number of questionable B Corps, and they're, it's, you know, they're certainly, uh, they're not all clear. They're, they, they may be passionate, but they might not have purpose at the heart of their objectives. So it's good to hear that there's uh, the strength of local governments there to keep them on the straight and narrow. Collaborations, I mean, you're working very closely locally with people like the Young Chances Foundation. Yes. Um, I just wanted to jump back because I, when I was reading about you, I, I heard about the, I mean, in a sense, the term, we all want to make a dent in the universe. You made a dent in the local universe when you set up the Peace Not Guns organization. Yes. To eliminate uh, youth um, gun violence. Yes. We're living through these very difficult times where opioid crisis, gun violence isn't going away. And I think that the only way forward is through creating educational opportunities and, and getting rid of the inequity. Yes, How are you working correct. to address that in the position you find yourself in at the moment? Yeah, well, as a council person, I chair the special committee on gun violence. And so uh, we work with various stakeholders to come up with a comprehensive plan and strategy to address the issue of youth gun violence. But also when, you, when we talk about income inequality, because mm -hmm. statistics shows areas where there's high poverty, there's high crime rates. Yeah. And so uh, most recently, an initiative that I'm very proud of was being able to uh, raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour for um, city contracted workers at the Philadelphia International Airport. And, and that was a process where I had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with American Airlines mm -hmm. to make sure that the workers at the airport um, were, one, um, organized by a union to their collective bargaining rights, mm -hmm. um, but also when we talk about wage increases, the wage increase that we were able to enable has allowed those workers at the airport to have a living wage. That's amazing. What what was the original minimum wage? It started off at seven twenty five. Oh my God! So it's a significant right? impact. So a significant that. significant yeah. increase. And at the end of the day, we want the workers out there to be able to work with dignity, but most importantly, put food on the table for their families. We want families to be able to, 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 to be able to purchase a home. We want families to be able to uh, put their children in high quality daycare centers, and. This, that's significant when it comes to the city of Philadelphia, primarily because we're the number one big city when it comes to poverty. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of cranes and buildings being built in this city, but also we're a tale of two cities where there's a tale of haves and have-nots. And so we want to continue continuously address the issue of income inequality, but also when it comes to gun violence, making sure we also are putting the resources up for the organizations who are the boots on the ground mm -hmm. addressing the issue so we can be proactive yeah. as opposed to reactive when we talk about the issue of gun violence as well as criminal justice reform. I suppose there's only so much you can do to stimulate economic investment. What are the major sort of uh, areas of economic uh, growth in Philadelphia that might affect that income inequality? Well, one of the key areas that we must do a better job of incorporating into how we make sure that all boats rise with the tides mm -hmm. is um, our, our eds and meds. Uh -huh. The city of Philadelphia has some of the best educational institutions course, yeah. UPenn and, in the yeah. country. Mm -hmm. We also have some of the best health care institutions in the country. And so we have to intertwine those two institutions and make sure that we're helping those most in need. So we mm -hmm. can have a 
pre-K to college pipeline. We can make sure that we're doing true criminal justice reform by making sure individuals who are returning from prison into society, they're able to integrate with job training and also job opportunities. And so um, I look at all the different um, as economic development assets that we have in the city of Philadelphia and different ways on how to integrate them into society when it comes to addressing income inequality. Let me give you an example. We have a brand new cas- casino that has come into the city of Philadelphia called Live Casino. So I was able to negotiate with the casino a 50% minority inclusion benefits agreement. And so that means on a construction that means on the procurement and vendor opportunities. That means on the staffing from the service worker on the floor to the executive management level. There's a 50% diversity and inclusion in, inclusion requirement where that project will enable everyone an opportunity to participate. And that also will address the issue of income inequality. And so um, as a council person, we have a lot of oversight on development projects. So one of the things that I do that I'm very big on is making sure that those development projects are diverse and inclusive, mm-hmm. how they're built, who's working there, because that's the only way you're going to address the issue of income inequality. That rising tide. Yes. Yeah. Make sure everyone has a, has a seat at the table. And that's interesting. Um, we always ask a question uh, mm-hmm. to whoever's on the show. Sure. Uh, we usually say if you're handed the keys to the mayor's office or <laughs> Downing Street in England or the White House. And yes. the, but I'm going to ask you, because you're, you're, it's probably better to ask you, if, if you were handed the keys to the White House, what would the first thing you'd start with to actually sort of improve the future opportunities of youth in this country? I would make sure that all of our schools across the board provides a high-quality education for all of our young people. Mm. That's first and foremost. Malcolm X said, education is your passport to the future. And so the more highly educated our young people are, the more they can have a pathway Mm. out of poverty, out of the circumstances in which they live in that they may deem a obstacle when it comes to them succeeding in life. So I would start with education first and foremost, and I know how education has had a significant impact on my life. And if I have not gone away to college, my horizons would not have been broadened. But when I went away to Mansfield University, which is eight hours away from the city of Philadelphia, I came back to the city of Philadelphia in Point Breeze of South Philadelphia in my neighborhood with a whole different perspective that there's more in life than just mm-hmm. Point Breeze, South Philadelphia. There's more than life than just quote unquote the block. So I would start with education, but also education is the key in eradicating poverty. Mm-hmm. The more educated our young people are, the more their social status rises, the more you can address the issue of poverty. So I would start with education first. And then next I would look at eliminating guns, right? Because we go to other countries. I've been to London. And I walk past where the, where the Queen lives. And yeah, and Buckingham Palace. Buckingham yeah. Palace. And, <laughs> there might be a few no, guns on the soldiers yeah. protecting us, yeah, but, but yeah, not on the streets. Not, not yeah, to hopefully. the level of... Yeah, we've got our know. knife crime issues, but yeah, certainly exactly. it's not. So, so for me, um, addressing the issue of youth gun violence is mm. definitely key because um, it's always disheartening to turn on the news to see, and primarily their young African-American young men losing their lives Absolutely, to gun violence yeah. by killing one another. And so, you know, let's get rid of the guns. Let's look at the issue of poverty. 
You know, but I would start with education first and mm -hmm. foremost because I think it's the root cause of how young people can be on the path of becoming successful. Okay, I, I would just add to that as well. I mean, with the, whatever side of the political divide you, you sit on in the, in the US, the idea of making America greater or great again, whichever way you want to look at it, the challenge from different economies like China and the Far East, America needs every smart kid to maximize their opportunity. And meeting the kids this morning at um, the Stephen Gerrard School, how smart these young kids are, and to see yes. them not given the opportunities to maximize their potential is yes. an injustice in itself. But that's a separate, it that's a separate that, podcast. It, it, it definitely is. the question. From your experience, from early education to your experience to higher education, what is better education, if you could define that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, making sure that there's community and school partnerships, mm -hmm. making sure the education is holistic, uh, making sure the teacher to student ratio is one where a teacher can actually teach inside yeah. a classroom, making sure that our young people have the high quality learning materials that they need. You shouldn't have smart boards and laptops in the suburban schools, but not in the inner city schools. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that it's mandatory that there's a college prep course mm -hmm. for all students, regardless if they go to a parochial school, a charter school, which we have in the city of Philadelphia, or a public school. Um, those are the things that I believe, believe make sure that young people have a quality education. But also, mo also most importantly, there's a culture of achievement. You have yeah, to believe absolutely. that the young people can can succeed in the first place. And, and I'll give you an example. As an African-American, um, in the early 60s, in the early 1900s, in the early 1800s, some of the best and brightest minds have done some great things. Benjamin Banneker, Crispus Attucks, right? And especially since we're talking about, we're talking about doing Black History Month, individuals who have succeeded, but they didn't have laptops. They didn't have smart boards. They didn't have smart phones, right? Yeah, smart they teacher, have, smart yes, teachers. They didn't have, the, they had smart teachers. Yeah. But most importantly, they had teachers that believed in them yeah. and understood the premium on education, how powerful education is. And so we also have to have a culture of achievement uh, across the board where the system believes that the young people can accomplish anything and also we have to address you know various isms that also has an impact on that process and so um, but for me making sure that the education system is holistic and there's a culture of achievement for all young people we shouldn't be fighting about an educational formula uh -huh. meaning that young people receive funding based upon real estate taxes so we know what that means if you live in a neighborhood and the real estate value isn't high right and your neighborhood is a neighborhood of poverty then your real estate taxes aren't going to be as high, which means your funding for your education system is going to be limited. So we have to change the educational formula um, in which we, which we utilize for our young people, particularly here in the city of Philadelphia, because that plays a major role in how our young people are taught. But most importantly, they have the resources that they need in order for them to receive a high-quality education. It's a playbook that needs to happen across the country. Conscious of time, I want to get on some quick-fire questions. Sure. Um, Councilman, what principles do you stand by? Faith, mm -hmm. sincerity, passion, diligent, honest, integrity. I think that, that covers <laughs> that covers a fair bit. Um, what 
hard choices have you had to make along the way that have been tough at the time but turned out to be the right decision looking back? Well, I mean, I make consistent um, decisions as a member of council and as a legislator uh, when it comes to tough decisions. And those tough decisions usually fall down to making sure I'm advocating on behalf of uh, the people who sent me here in city council. And there's always competing interests on a day-to-day basis. Um, but for the most part, I like the land. If, it's the, if, I, if it can't be a compromise, I like the land on advocating on behalf of uh, my constituents. Uh, but I also recognize as a young man growing up um, in the streets of South Philadelphia, in order for me, when I was young, to change my life, I had to cut off some people, some places, and some friends. And that was tough because you're talking about people you grew up from the sandbox to me graduating from high school. But we start living different lives, you know? But these were individuals who I was very, very tight and close with. And the friendship and the bond was more of a brotherhood than a friendship. Mm-hmm. But I'm not standing on the corner anymore, you know? I'm not getting involved in the ills of society. And so how do I make that transition and move away from it and, and most importantly, have the courage to move away from it in regards to what you think about me. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people may think, well, you think you're better than, or you know, he don't have time for us anymore. But um, fortunately, I didn't go through those things, but it was tough for me to say, you know what, I'm stepping away from this lifestyle. But I have to also recognize in order for me to, to succeed, I had to give up some you of the things that I actually enjoyed, which was hanging out with my guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, you talked about your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, being a major influence. Who are your other great influencers or inspirations? Mom. I'm glad my mom was tough on me um, as a young man because at one time it was just her and I, mm-hmm. right? And mom was very, very tough on me to help me. Um, you get, and me both, I had the same yeah, thing. Yeah, mom, mom, <laughs> Didn't feel good at the time, yeah, though. Mom, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well, mom was very tough on me um, as a young man, and she's passed away, but God bless her soul that that toughness paid off, right? She made sure that when I came home from school, I couldn't go out until I did my homework. And um, she wouldn't let me, you know, run in the house if somebody was chasing me as a kid. And, you know, I thank her for instilling those types of principles in me um, as a young man. So God bless her soul, Mama. I know you're looking down on me, so I'm going to continuously to make you proud. And also my stepdad. Uh, my biological do- um, father passed away um, when I was going to the ninth grade. But being upfront and frank, he wasn't really into my life. But my, my stepfather um, took on that role. And he guided me um, as a young man. He taught me some principles about um, the street life for me to pay attention to. And I listened to him. Um, and sometimes I didn't listen. But now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now that I'm much older, I can look back and say, wow, I understand now, Dad, the things that you were talking about. Those individuals and, and also my, my mentor I talked about, Hardy Williams, played like key roles to help me become who I am today. And when times are tough, I reflect on the lessons that they taught me mm-hmm. um, to keep me strong. And, and when it's decision-making, I think about the things they have taught me to make decisions as well. Okay. The impossible question we like to ask all our guests, what would your advice be to someone maybe 20 years your junior that's got a dream, a goal, a grand ambition, but is being told or got the view that it's just impossible to achieve that? Believing in yourself and don't let no one tell you you can't accomplish your dreams, 
not friends, not family, not anyone. Just believe in yourself. And if you take that first step forward, I believe God will help you take the next step forward. Amen. Uh, final two questions. What book? Um, we might offer our listeners that submit good comments, um, a book or books. Um, what book would you like us to offer our listeners? Hmm. One of my good books that helped um, shape my mind state um, as a young man when I was in college was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Ah. And the reason it's on my list of books to read, I haven't yeah. got there yet. And, and yeah. the reason why, um, at the time, when I read the book, it just gave me a more sense of self at that time. And um, it was a very, very good book for me at a critical time in my life. Um, gave me a different sense of self-worth um, as a young man and it left an impression on me. There's also another book by Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. Um, that we had to read in school, and that that had a great impression on me. Um, autobiography also uh, of Frederick Douglass uh, when I was a young man, and that was a good one. And, but also some principles by um, one of our presidents uh, by the name of Harry Truman. Uh, yeah. He had a leadership book that I read. I think it's called The Ten Points of Leadership. But anyway, um, those are like three key ones okay. that resonated okay. with me that I call that I utilize now we'll get um, when I those. when I have to think about decisions that I have to make as an elected official, um, but also in my former life, I was a community organizer as well with my organization, Peace Not Guns. Okay. And a final question, who should we interview next? Who should we interview next? I'm going to send you to a young man by the name of State Representative Jordan Harris. He's a dynamic young legislator. He just became the whip, which is the second most powerful um, position as it relates to him being a Democrat in the General Assembly in Harrisburg, and so he'll be a great person to interview. Brilliant. I did have one question I skipped, which sure. was how do you, um, where do you go, what do you do to discover new ideas or when you need space to think outside of the this environment? Well, I like to travel. Um, I'm a new dad, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and so anytime that um, I have the opportunity to um, get on the road or take the plane, and I like to go out the country, that gives me a chance to refresh uh, my thoughts, um, refresh my energy. Um, and if I can't get away, you know, I get on the treadmill and just walk, uh-huh. put my headphones on, put some public enemy on, and, that's and just kind of like zone <laughs> out, yeah. you know, and um, that helps me kind of reconnect. I, I like a lot of music, you know, and so I just put the head, my, put my headphones on, my Beats by Dre, and just mm-hmm. max out, and that kind of refreshes me as well. Only way. With 2020 coming up, I just thought I should have said this <laughs> earlier. I've got to ask the question. Yes. Um, one, do you have further political ambitions beyond Philadelphia? And in this upcoming election, who do you think is capable within the Democratic Party of um, toppling Trump? Well, one... You don't have to answer it, of course. In terms of political ambitions, uh, I'm in the middle of preparing for my next cycle um, in council. And so that's my number one priority. But, you know, who knows if my constituents say, hey, we want you to go beyond the city of Philadelphia. I will answer that call. I will consider answering that call. Um, in terms of 2020, I'm still evaluating. Yeah. You know, all the each day there's a new person running. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. 
I know I've had interactions with Cory Booker. Um, he'd come to Philadelphia before. I had a chance to introduce him when Great he was guy. here, yeah. you know, doing some work on behalf of, of one of the candidates running before. Um, I know Elizabeth Warren. Um, she's, you know, she has a, a great progressive um, following, you know, and, and it would be great to have a, a woman mm-hmm. um, for the first time. And so, but each, each day, um, Kamala, I'm still studying her criminal justice background yeah. in terms of the work she's done when she served as a an attorney, U.S. attorney out of New York. But, you know, I've been listening to her. I watched her town hall. I think she did a good job. And so, again, I'm evaluating um, everyone, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. Only person I haven't had a chance to to actually touch and work with in terms of them coming to the city of Philadelphia was Cory Booker. Yeah. And that's probably because he's in Jersey and we know some of the same people. But, you know, at the end of the day, what I will agree on, regardless of who that person is, we need change. Mm-hmm. We're in a state, we're in a, a country of an emergency. We're in a, a crisis. And uh, we're in a moral decline, to be quite frank with you. Mm-hmm. I think the good thing that's that's actually happening, and this has to happen in history, is that because of the climate, um, people are stepping up to the plate and getting involved and throwing their hat in the ring. We've seen a record number of women from diverse backgrounds who have invaded Congress mm-hmm. um, on the House side. And so hopefully that momentum will keep going. So that's the good thing that is coming out. Yeah. Is you have some new leadership that's coming. And here's the other part. The leadership is challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. Because I do recognize an elected official, sometimes we can get stuck into one frame of mind of thinking. And the the leadership (laughs) that's coming in is challenging the Uh establishment, saying, hold up, wait a minute. We got to do some things a little different. Uh We got to fight for those most in need. We got to fight for $15 an hour. We got to fight for universal health care. We got to fight for a free community college across the board. And that's the direction that we need to go into. And so, um, you know, I think think the, the future of our country will be bright just based upon the rising of new leadership that's coming. And, and that new leadership will hold the system accountable to make sure we're doing right by the people. Brilliant. Councilman, thank you very much. I appreciate you. your time. Thank and you. I know we ran over. It's okay. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, folks, that's it for this week. If you like the show, please subscribe. And ideally, give us a five-star rating and a review because it helps more people discover us. Just go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to subscribe and rate. For now, stay curious, be creative, and be open to serendipity. See you next time.